But the point is that I know how to handle these 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 crises. Always will be the United States of America. Excuse me, Fox News. It's, it's a series of tubes. I think you look pretty good. I'll get Osama bin Laden, my friends. I'll get him. I know how to get him. E unum. Out of many, one. If uh, some of those jobs are lost in this, so be it. Thank you, Wisconsin! Welcome, 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 Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives, moderates of all ages. This is Civil Discourse. I am your host, Eric Brandt. What a couple of weeks it has been here in Wisconsin. The recall elections are finished. Or should we say they're just getting started? That's right. Back in July, the recall elections all started when the six Republicans who were recalled decided to run fake Democrats against their six real Democratic opponents in the in the primaries that were forced upon the Democrats, all six real Democrats won by wide margins. A week later, Senator Dave Hansen from the Green Bay area had to defend his seat, and he also won by a wide margin. Democrats won, Republicans nothing. Then on August 9th, we had the actual recall elections. We had six Democrats going up against six incumbent Republicans from bright red districts that have been gerrymandered to be extremely Republican. In these races, Democrats were hoping to knock off three Republicans so that we could take over control of the state Senate. When all was said and done, we only got two. Now, the night started out pretty much as we expected. See, what we had is we had a total of six seats, all in red districts. Two of these seats were pretty safe. We knew that there there wasn't much chance that we were actually going to take them, but we were able to get them recalled, so we gave it our all. Then there was two seats where we were pretty positive we were going to win. And finally... There was two seats that were so close that you would have been foolish to try and call them ahead of time. Well, as things would go on, we lost, the first two races called were the two that we knew we weren't going to win, and the Republicans held on to two seats. We're down to four. We were at two strongholds, and then we, had, we were right on the line with two other ones that looked extremely winnable. Not long, not long after that, we won the two that we knew we were going to win. And Fred Clark was holding his own against Luther Olson until the last couple of districts came in. We lost it. It was down to the final match. It was Alberta Darling, incumbent Republican, against Democrat Sandy Pash. It was a seesaw matchup, and I think... Over and over, both sides were on an emotional roller coaster. One minute, the Democrat's up. The next minute, Republican is up. We still had quite a few precincts. I think there was 12 out of Milwaukee. And then we also had the one that we all dread from the spring during the Supreme Court race. 
Waukesha. Around 11 o'clock, Kathy Nichols decides it's going to be another hour before she can get all of her votes out to the people and get them reported. Immediately, the Democrats come out and start accusing her of tampering with votes and threatening lawsuits. Nichols then released her, her precincts, which gave Alberta Darling quite the edge, but we still had Milwaukee, and Milwaukee tends to be as blue as blue can be, but they just didn't come through for us. Alberta Darling held on to her seat, which gave the final score of the night, Republicans 4, Democrats 2, leaving us one seat shy, and we weren't out of the woods yet. There was a week later, we had our final two recalls, Holperman and Wirch. Two Democrats facing recalls for, for fleeing the state to stop the Republicans from forcing through a bill that the state did not want. It still shocks me that these Democrats are taking any kind of heat for fleeing the state. What did they do when they fleed the state? They filibustered. That's all it was. It was nothing more, nothing less. They filibustered, just like the Senate Republicans and the federal government have filibustered everything that the Democrats have tried to do for the past two and a half years. But the Republicans were able to bring in convicted felons, mind you, to fool voters into signing a recall petition just by telling them that they were signing a petition to get Senator Wirch, for instance, on the ballot not telling them anything about a recall election. These these signatures were challenged, and it actually was ruled that they just said, okay, you've got them, we're just going to push it through. That was something that was fishy there, too. It didn't sound like they had really investigated enough. But anyways, that's beside the fact that was months ago. What came down to was these final two races. Started out, Holperman up north was holding strong, doing well and Wirch was way down. It really looked like Wirch was going to be in trouble until the votes for Kenosha started coming in and within minutes Wirch went from a 10 point went from 10 points behind to being 10 points up and he ended up winning by a healthy margin. I believe he had about 58-59% of the vote and then it all came down to Holperin to Holperin, sorry. And he too was able to hold on to his seat which meant that the Democrats netted two seats. There's a couple ways to look at this that's really, really important. Number one is the Republicans are calling this a victory. Well, let's look at this for a second. If you count the primaries, we had a total of 15 elections. We had six recall elections for Republicans, three recall elections for Democrats, and six primaries in which the Republicans ran fake Democrats. The Democrats won all six of the fake primaries, six to nothing. The Democrats won the first recall against Hansen, seven to nothing. Then the big showdown, Tuesday night, Six recall elections. Democrats are up seven to nothing. They pick up two more, making it nine to 
four. Then finally, the last night of recalls, Democrats pick up two more spots, making it 11 to four. Out of 11 elections, Democrats won handily. And yet the Republicans are calling this a victory? 11 to four? I don't think that's a win. I don't think that's a victory. And what's more, there's a wild card. Right now, we've got the minority because we've got a Republican Senate and they are up with an 18 to 17 majority. But there's one lone senator, Mr. Dale Schultz, who has been standing up to Walker and his party. He voted against the union-busting bill that caused these recalls in the first place. Now, don't get me wrong. Schultz is not necessarily a moderate but he's he's got some social ideal ideas that I don't think a lot of people would agree with. I personally don't agree with them. But he is willing to stand up and go against his party for what's right. So what does this actually mean? We've got 17 pro-labor Democrats. We've got 18 Republicans, one of which is pro-labor. That means that we've actually got an 18 to 17 majority of pro-labor. 17 pro-labor Democrats, one pro-labor Republican. No more worries about Walker turning us into a right-to-work-for-less state. No more worries, I would hope, about him doing the uh, financial martial law. Unions are going to have some some support now in the Senate. Walker's not going to have his rubber stamp. But there is one other thing that needs to be looked at right here when we talk about this. And we'll see what happens. See, now, Dale Schultz and Tim Cullen, a Democrat, have become very buddy-buddy. They've been spending time in each other's districts. They're working on legislation. They're kind of walking hand-in-hand. That's a great thing. Don't get me wrong. But the thing that has me personally concerned is... It's very easy to vote no on a bill that your party is going to pass with or without you. When Schultz voted against the union-busting bill, there was no chance of it not passing. The Democrats weren't even in the state. They were in Illinois still. So no, he was the only vote against it. So it, it was essentially a, what, 18-to-1 vote. And... I guess what I'm getting at here is it's very easy to be that lone vote when it doesn't really matter. But once he becomes that swing vote, which he now is, there's going to be money flying at him. There's going to be Republicans and Democrats pulling him in every which direction. I'm not convinced this guy is going to go with us. I'm not convinced he won't. But I am nervous because he's now he is now in the spotlight. Basically, whichever party he decides to vote with is the party that will probably win. Now, there has been some talk, which I cannot validate, of Dale Schultz possibly leaving the GOP. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm not banking on it. Uh, we'll see. I hope he does, even if he became an independent. That would be that would definitely help us where we're at. Um, but I think, you know, all, all things aside... These recalls were a good thing. 
We netted two seats in some very red districts. We held on to what we had, and uh, we sent Scott Walker a message. And believe it or not, he's nervous. He is now talking about compromise. He was not doing that before at all. So um, let's take a second here, and let's hear what Scott Walker had to say right after these elections. The biggest thing I heard from folks is they were just happy that the next day the ads were going to be gone, or at least other than those two little parts in Rhineland or Kenosha. But overall, the big ads were going to be done. I think people are just, they want to move on. Uh, clearly last November, I felt, at least I felt personally, that voters were telling us they wanted to focus on jobs. There you have it. Scott Walker interpreted his win in 2010 to create jobs. I'm not going to lie to you. He's probably right. So why didn't he do it? Where are the jobs, Scott? Where are they? Wisconsin is still in dire straits here. Here's something really important. Here's something that maybe you didn't know. Does anyone remember when Walker was running his campaign and he said that he had a plan that would create 250,000 jobs by 2014? Remember that? We want to know something really interesting. You know what his plan was to do that? Nothing. Top economists came out later, and the information was already there. But Walker got his hands on it and basically called our bluff, saying, you know, and bet against the fact that any of us actually were aware of this number. But top economists have come out. And they have already, they said this was, and this was back before Walker was even seated. This is nothing new. At the time that Walker made that claim that he was going to create 250,000 jobs with his plan, it was already known that Wisconsin's economy was on track to create 250,000 jobs, regardless who was governor, regardless of who did what. All we had to do was keep doing what we were doing. Following the Jim Doyle path, if you will. A Democrat. 250,000 jobs. Where is it? What did he do then? He comes in, he starts cutting public workers. You aware that the federal government has shed close to half a million public workers since the Republicans took over? Republican governors, for, actually, this started before. This was just about shortly after Obama was elected. Republican governors and state legislators started cutting federal, uh, state workers. They started cutting government workers. That was pushed into overdrive into overdrive in 2010 when the Republicans took back the House and took over the uh, took over a vast amount of state governments. So when you hear these jobs numbers come out, do you ever notice? that the the number of private sector jobs created is always higher than the net jobs created. Do you know why that is? It's because they're shedding the workers that they can. They're shedding the government workers. They're shedding your neighbor. They're shedding your father. They're shedding your son who plows roads, your wife who is a teacher, your father who is a mechanic for the city. Your uncle who paves roads. These people are going away. They're out of jobs. And yet, Walker thought that we wanted him to create jobs. We did. 
We wanted you to create new jobs. We didn't want you just to vacate jobs that are there and then never fill them. We wanted new jobs. So let's let's keep going here. Let, let's see what else Walker had to say. But what I heard, not just in Tuesday's results, but ultimately I heard um, all across the state in the last couple of months was that people want us to do that, but that they want us to do more to work together. Did those words just come out of my governor's mouth? Those words work together? When did people not want us to work together? I don't remember that. Well, actually, I do. I, I, I'll take that back. I, honestly, I am, I am at a point now. I voted for Obama because I wanted him working together. I didn't agree that George W. Bush was so partisan that when the Democratic Co- Congress back in 2008, 2007, asked him for $13 billion to help children with autism, he vetoed it. And the next day, he came to Congress and asked for $190 billion to go into war again. I was sick of it, so I voted for Obama. I wanted people working together. I was naive, I admit it. It didn't happen. The Republicans have obstructed everything that they can in our president's path. It has happened for the past two and a half years. It happened under Clinton It happens every time that Republicans take over Congress or the White House. They refuse to work with Democrats. So when Walker came in, I knew, and I think a lot of the people knew that he wasn't going to work with them. But that does not mean that we didn't want him to. How about in February when he dropped the bomb that he was going to destroy the unions in his budget repair bill, which does more to hurt the budget than anything this state has seen in generations, How about when there was 100,000 people outside your office, Scooter? How about when there was 100,000 people knocking on your door asking you to listen to them? Where were you then? How about when the 14 Senate Democrats had to leave the state and you got a call from whom you thought was your $43,000 campaign donor, Mr. David Koch, and Koch, the fake David Koch, said you're not going to work with these Democrat bastards, are you? And you said you're not going to compromise. When you said that you were going to fool the Democrats into coming back so that you could not listen to them. When you specifically said that you would talk, not negotiate with the Democrats. Where were you then? We begged you. Begged you, Scott. We begged you to work with us. The union workers agreed to give you the money, the money that you wanted, but they wanted to keep their collective bargaining rights. And you wouldn't take it. Why? Why? Because unions support Democrats. Because a union hurts corporations. Because when you give the people a voice, they start cutting into those profits for the corporations, and you guys don't like it. It's a little bit harder to pad your pockets when you have to pay a livable wage. So what kind? Of, what do you start doing? You start busting them up. And now, now you're going to talk about compromise? Why? Because you lost two gerrymandered Republican seats? Now you're going to compromise? This isn't stopping with Walker. Do you know Kasich? Huh? You know John Kasich in Ohio? He pulled the same stuff that Walker did at the same time. Now... The people of Ohio 
had 90 days to collect just 230,000 signatures to put Kasich's union-busting bill on the ballot for a referendum. You know how many signatures they got? It wasn't 230,000. They brought back a semi-truck with 1.3 million signatures. So what does Kasich say? According to TPM... To TalkingPointsMemo.com, sorry. Kasich said, in the best interest of everyone, including public employee unions, set aside political agendas and past offenses. He's a believer in talking and not out of a fear we are going to lose, but he wants to negotiate. He said, let's compromise on my law, stripping away your collective bargaining rights, and withdraw the referendum where you could get it repealed. Kasich had the opportunity, man. He had the opportunity, just like Walker did, to negotiate. And he didn't. And the people rose up, and these guys are running scared. We are taking this country back. Karl Rove and the Koch brothers thought that they were about to take over these state legislators, these governorships, the House of Representatives, and they were going to be able to get rid of Medicare and Social Security and collective bargaining rights. And the people said, enough! We are not making every sacrifice while the rich do nothing. We said, enough. And and after that, we're showing up. 100 to 150,000 people in Madison. More people showed up to talk, showed up at Paul Ryan's listening tour in April to debate him, to protest him, than even showed up during the health care debate when the Tea Partiers were out in force. The, pe- the good people of Ohio got 1.3 million signatures to repeal the law that their right wing governor passed. The people of Wisconsin recalled two Republican senators, held on to their own seats, and now we're coming for Walker. We are coming for Walker. They, the Republicans thought that they were going to take the wind out of our sails if we, lost, if we didn't get all three seats in the Senate. Nope. Not at all. We're coming for Walker. We won. The score is 11 to 4. The score is 11 to 4. We're coming after Walker. We are going to remove him from office, and he will be a one-term governor who didn't even make it through his first term. He's going to be a one-year governor. Take note, Carl Rove. Take note, Paul Ryan. John Boehner. Rick Perry, Michelle Bachman, Mitt Romney, and yes, Ron Paul. We are on to you, and we have had enough. Finally, let's go to one last clip from Walker. Let's hear what he had to say. And I think that now that the ads are gone, the groups are gone, the national attention maybe is limited a little bit, or at least going down, now we can get together. The Republican and Democrat lawmakers can work with us to get things done. And- 
Did you hear that? Now that it's gone, the ads are done, the groups are gone, Republicans and Democrats can work together to get things done. We're not gone, Scooter. We're still here, Governor Walker. We are still here. You screw us and we multiply. We are standing right here. We are not gone. We just minimized your Senate majority. We took away your rubber stamp. We have a a moderate Republican senator in there who is willing to work with us on some things. And now he can force you to negotiate or it's not going through. Too little, too late. It is too little. It is too late. You had your chance. We tried. We tried hard and long to negotiate with you. We came to you. We didn't even make you come to us. We came to you. Thousands of us. Thousands of us showed up to negotiate with you. You laughed in our face. You took our capital and you shut it down. And you even attempted to plant troublemakers amongst us to start problems. You brought in outside groups. You brought Sarah Palin. You did everything you could to knock us down. But we're still standing. And we are still in front of you. And we are walking towards you. Looking you in the eye. And we are going to recall you. Within one year, you will be recalled. Whether it happens in the spring or the fall, you will not be governor by Thanksgiving of 2012. I promise you, it will not happen. We are back. The labor movement has begun. And it is a super tanker moving through the ocean. It's going to take a lot more than some empty promises to stop it or turn it around. And it's headed right for you. Thank you for being here. I am Eric Brandt. This is Civil Discourse. Thank you for being here. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast. Tell a friend. If you enjoyed what you heard, please promote us. Get us on Facebook. Help get us out there. Help us out there. Send your emails, civildiscourse2011 at hotmail.com. I want to hear from you. I'll reply to everything that I can. I promise you that. If you have ideas for a show, if you got comments, if there's anything you just want to say, let me know, and I'll, I'll, try, I'll do my best to address it. I'll at least get back to you, if not actually do what we can to get some, get some answers for you right here on the air. Thank you so much for being with us. And remember, regardless of who is in the Capitol building or the White House or in Madison, Wisconsin, regardless who those people are, we have the power. We are the leaders. 
and we just showed them these two past weeks, and they are running scared. They are terrified of us, of you. Make your voice heard. Congratulations, Wisconsin. Forward.